Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Best Bookshelf Podcast. I hope you're having a great Sunday. Today's guest is Erin Summerall. Erin is a photographer turned fantasy author based in Utah who tells the story of Britta in her 2016 young adult debut novel, Ever for Hunted. The book follows Britta as she hunts and tracks alongside her father until her one day her father is tragically killed. What follows is Erin's words taking us through a blend of dark magic, warring kingdoms, romance and power. I absolutely devoured this novel and I just knew that I had to ask Erin onto the podcast when I began reading it. Erin is wonderful to talk to and I think you'll find this episode a lot of fun. She's here to talk about creative process, the best reads she's flicked through, though we got a little sidetracked and we also ended up talking about Stranger Things and dogs for a little while too. So, all the best things. I really hope you like it. Yeah, I'm English. It's seven o'clock right now. In the evening or morning? Evening. Oh, I'm born in England. So. Oh, really? I think I read that actually on your Goodreads. Yeah. <laughs> and I lived there until I was nine. Oh, what, what area? Um, I was born in Lincoln, area. Oh, wow. And then we lived in Bedford. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I'm not far from Birmingham. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have an awful accent. I apologise in advance for that. Now, I think you sound lovely. <laughs> like, really hard to just not <laughs> <laughs> No, don't worry. So, Ever the Hunted is your debut YA fantasy, and you just came back from your book tour, didn't you? Yes. How was right. that? It must have been exciting. Yeah, it was lots of fun and tiring, but I like to... It was fun meeting lots of people and exciting to see that people were receptive of the book. Yeah, that must be really cool. Is this your, your first book entirely or just your first fantasy? Uh, it's my first um, my first fiction novel. So I wrote, an, I used to be a, a professional photographer. So I wrote a photography book that came out a few years ago it's a kind of a how-to photography book and that came out with a u.s publisher a few years ago so this is my first um fantasy fiction oh wow how exciting congratulations thank you for those listening who haven't read ever the hunted uh, could you provide an overview sure okay so ever the hunted is about a girl whose father is tragically murdered and so because she's an outcast in the society she is forced to go poaching in order to survive and she is caught poaching on the king's land which is a crime punishable by death but when the high lord of the land comes and proposes a deal to her that she can trade her life uh, or she can save her life if she is to hunt down her father's murderer and she can basically exchange his life for hers um, then she'll be able to live so the only uh, the catch is that the person accused of murdering her father is 
the the only friend she's ever had and the boy that she loves. Very cute. I loved the book. Yeah. I really loved it. I liked how well-blended fantasy was with romance in the story. It felt like it belonged on both shelves separately or maybe even a shelf of its own. Yeah. <laughs> what what was it like blending those two? Um, it feels like you couldn't decide if you wanted to write a romance or a fantasy, so you're like, I'm going to do both. <laughs> I, I'm a big romance reader. I enjoy reading romance. I like historical romances. Um, in fact, I'm currently reading Judith McNaught's and rereading some of her historical fantasies. So I really like historical fantasy, but I also love... Um, or sorry, historical romance, but I also love fantasy. And so I had an idea for a fantasy novel, but it was kind of, the crux of the novel is that she has this relationship with this boy who's accused of her father's murder. But the, I wanted the novel to be about redemption and forgiveness. So yes, sometimes I feel like it's a romance packaged as a fantasy, and then other people will say it's a fantasy packaged as a romance. So I think it could fit on either shelf, which for me works really well. I like that. I'm a big uh, Robin McKinley fan. Uh, and I feel she, a lot of her books that came out in the eighties and nineties, I feel like they have a similar, they, they have that similar vein of an equal romance and equal fantasy. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people say that about Ever the Hunted too. Um, one of my friends said that she felt like the cover looked like a fantasy. And then when you read through it, it actually had a lot of romance in it. And then another friend said it was the other way around. <laughs> Did it uh, yeah. But I really loved that. Yeah, I have I have heard very like um like differing opinions on it. I there are people who really dislike romance in their fantasy, so I would say if they don't like romance then maybe this isn't the book for them. Oh, uh, I really like romance but only inside other genres. So it was yeah. perfect for me. <laughs> I only like okay. it if it's within fantasy or within sci-fi. So, yeah, it was a good book. I demolished it in two days. Oh, thank you. That makes me very happy to hear. Although I screamed on the last page because that clip. I, got... I know that last page is awful. And so my <laughs> suggestion is that people read the whole book except for the last page. And then they'll be completely happy with it. Yeah, but then you'll be really confused when you read the next one. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, I won't mention what the cliffhanger was, but it was quite risk a risky plot choice for a YA. I think. Uh, did you always want to end Ever Hunted in that way? Ever Hunted? Ever the Hunted in that way? <laughs> I. Oh, this is a good question. Originally, did not end the book that way. Oh, so and many authors say that to me. I know, and so what happened was I had ended it. Um. I had ended it a little earlier, and then when my I had, my literary agent was going to send the book out for submission to publishers to see if a publisher was interested, I I was writing down the synopses for the next book that I had in mind, and I realized if I didn't end it that way, the next book would would feel like it was coming out of the blue. So I had to put it in there. <laughs> so then people will be prepared for the next book. Yeah, just in my mind, there was always like I always had this bigger story in mind, and so Ever the Hunted really set up the second story. So isn't it weird how you have such this dead set plan of how your story is going to turn out, and then when you start to plan the next one or when you finish it up, you're like, this doesn't work. I'm going to have to yes. completely change my plan. Yes, that happens to me all the time. Ever the Hunted is not the first book I wrote. It's just the first book that was published. And so that is always the case where I start down one path and I think that I know what's going to happen. And then I don't know, it seems to change every time and it never works out like I've planned. What was your writing process like in general writing ever the hunted? Because I feel like series are quite difficult to write. So you have to think about the following parts while writing the first, but then each book still needs to feel like a complete story. Yes. Uh, there are, I have friends that are very like prolific writers and I, for a long time was, I would say more of a hobbyist because I have my other job that I was working, um, full time at. So when I would sit down, I would have an idea and I would write through the idea and then I would usually jot down ideas for what I wanted to happen later. Um, I always had a general idea for what was going to happen in the series, but as I would write out 
as I would take time each day to write, I usually would spend time in the evening when I finished my work. So I work, I would write from like eight in the evening till two in the morning. Those are kind of my writing hours. And so while I was writing, I would, ideas would kind of shift and change my mind. And so I would have to, I would just, I always had like a running folder of notes of changes I needed to make. So I would write through to the end of the novel and then I would look at my folder and go back and make the adjustments. And I found that I had to do that many times. So I am the type of writer who writes kind of a really messy rough first draft. And then I have to revise it many times to make sure it all makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then I would have to revise my plan for the next book because of all the changes I made in the first book. I've been told that that's the best way to write a book actually. Really? Because I feel very unproductive. But maybe that makes me feel a whole lot better that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've been told that the best way to write a book is to just slam down something awful and then just keep revisiting it and trying to make a mess make sense. Yeah. I do have friends that spent, they are slower. They'll spend more time writing their first draft and making it really clean. Whereas I like to write my first drafts really fast and just get it all out. And then, and then it's kind of like raw material. And then I have to edit it around and, and clean it up. Yeah. Like mess. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely been told that's the way to do it though. So don't worry because apparently the, well, I'm sure you've experienced this and I have too. The, the hardest part is just saying what you want to say and getting it out. Yes. So yeah, I've been told the best way is to just spit it out what you want to happen even if it's awful, and then in your revisions, do all your literary techniques and your good dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. That's, that's great advice. See? What, do you write fantasy or do you write sci-fi? Fantasy. Oh, I'm excited to read something from you. <laughs> oh, I, I have nothing published. Maybe, maybe one day, but I, I can send you something if you want, but but I think I feel like fantasy is particularly hard especially with the world building element you'll, you'll yeah yeah you'll draft something and then be like oh god I forgot to actually tell people where we are <laughs> yeah. um, I think the world building element is what slows me down the most because I want the world to feel consistent and complete and and weaving that through the the subplots can be hard. Um, I have a friend who writes contemporary, and she can she can write four or five books a year, and it, it takes me at least half a year to a year to write one fantasy novel. Yeah, I feel like contemporary novels are very close to poetry in that it it takes less less planning but more um, skill in making your words pretty. And contemporary, yeah. contemporaries are very quotable books, aren't they? And then, yes. and then fantasy novels are very world-orientated and character-orientated. I agree. Yeah, that's a great summary of that. Yeah. That just, that just happened right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's brilliant, but it's true. I mean, I think that if you have a fantasy novel and the world isn't richly built... Um, the fantasy novel usually falls flat. Yeah. That is definitely the key element. So you definitely well executed all of it. I'm so glad that you liked it. So thank you so much for saying that. What's it been like seeing your first book get printed and getting your cover art and stuff like that? It's been very exciting. Yeah, it's very surreal and it's exciting and it's interesting to me to see the reactions people have to the book and their opinion on different aspects of the book that has been fascinating to me. And um, even when, I mean, not all reviews are good. So if I have a review that comes in, that's less than stellar, a lot of times I can read the review and, and um, kind of see where they're coming from, but I'm an avid reader. In fact, I'm probably, a, I'm more of a reader than I am a writer. I need to write less. I write more and read less. So I, but I can see when people's opinions come in because I have like varying opinions on different books that I've read. And so that, and my friends disagree with me or they'll agree with me. And so it's, that's the most interesting process is, is the reactions I've received forever that. 
Yeah. But it's been, it's been a thrill. I mean, I love the cover. I think my publisher's done a fantastic job. And just even the inside, the, the hardback, the, like the imprint of the deer horns, everything's so beautiful. Yeah. It's a very pretty book. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, the, the second book is, I'm not allowed to show anyone the cover yet. They haven't finalized it. They've shown me early copies or early images of what they're going to be using. And it's so beautiful. This, I thought they couldn't outdo the first book that they have. So the second Ooh, book is even... You're teasing. Even, <laughs> I, know, I know. I was. I, they, sent it, they only sent it to me this last week, and I was shocked with how beautiful it was. So it is the same designer that designed the first cover, but it has a very distinctively different feel. Oh, I have to say, I love that it has a map. That's like oh. that's like the key to my reading heart. <laughs> but, I, just thought, I do. I love books with maps. Uh, I I was just looking at Victoria Aveyard's. Um, I went to her book signing last night, and her map was fantastic. And she actually said that she drew her map. I I drew a really rough. Um, version of this map which did not look anything like this because I am a horrible artist yeah, same. And, <laughs> but I did like that they gave this map a very like provincial feel they made it feel um like as if someone in that in that very world had drawn it which I liked that a lot yeah it's not too um perfect it's lovely but it looks sketched yeah yes I like that so yeah that's really cool <laughs> Another aspect to Ever the Hunted that I liked that I wanted to quiz you about was the characters and how they contrast with one another. Oh, yeah. So Cohen's like um, a little bit overbearing, maybe just protective of Britta. And she seems to really reject that. A lot of the time, she's very, yeah. very independent, doesn't want his protection. Was it important to you when writing that, that Ever the Hunted had that strong female protagonist who wanted no help from her love interest? Um, I wanted to write, this is, a good, this is a great question, because I have found that some people really enjoy their dynamics and, and other readers don't like Cohen as much. Um, I wanted to write a character that was really true to that sort of situation that she's been really isolated uh, and she doesn't have a lot of friends and she's forced to kind of become this survivor. And so I felt um, it just her, her personality seemed very instinctive that she would be a little bit withdrawn and a little bit guarded or a lot guarded, I should say. And, have this natural instinct to want to do things on her own because she would be wary of others' help. Um, and then in contrast to that, I always feel like a great romance are characters that are are opposites in certain ways, but in other ways really complement each other. And so... Yeah, I thought, I thought they really complemented each other. They, yeah. they, they soften each other's flaws, I think. Yes, that's, at least that's what I was hoping for. So... <laughs> And in, yeah, I felt like in Cohen's case, in order to be the person chosen to be the king's bounty hunter, which is a big, um, it's a, I mean, it's a, an esteemed position in the kingdom. So in order to receive that position, he would have to have like an arrogance or confident about himself, confidence um, that would come out in his abilities. So, and I figured if you're confident in your physical abilities or your strategic hunting abilities you would also be confident throughout the rest of your personality and so his confidence comes out in that he's like a natural caretaker but Britta kind of rejects that because I think she's just very wary and she also wants to prove that she can do things on her own but I think but together they kind of fill a need in each other and so hopefully like that it softens so that's the blunter side of their personalities and then together it softens I can say this, Cohen, I didn't intend for Cohen's personality or his character to fully arc in the first book because I wanted that to happen in the second book. So some people might have been sort of frustrated with Cohen still by the end of the first book, and that is fine because he hasn't finished his character arc. 
I can say that. <laughs> You're doing a lot of teasing. <laughs> You're like, the book's going to be even prettier. <laughs> Cohen's going to be even better. <laughs> well, I hope. We'll see. We'll see. It is done. It's just sitting with my publisher waiting to be released, I guess. Do we have a title or release date for the second book? Um, you know what? I'm going to look online right now because I don't... I think the title is Ever the Brave, which okay. I don't know if it's ever announced that, so this could be... There you go. I just announced it. Ooh. <laughs> and um, the, the release date, I believe, is in the fall or possibly up to early December. Okay. It won't be late as Ever the Hunted was. It will be earlier. I know. I'm very excited. It will be... I do like... Book number two more than I like book number one. So. Uh, you're really teasing. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's awful. No, it's fine. It's fine, honestly. It's a terrible book. The first book's the better one. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really refreshing, the characters and how they behaved around one another. I feel like there has been this swap in fantasy with um, gender roles and all of that kind of thing. I think very very recently we've been seeing more, not cold, but very strong females who just <laughs> sometimes feel like they can't be asked <laughs> with their uh, love interest yeah. or they annoy them more and stuff and it's not that fluttery, like, uh, I'm, I'm so in love with him thing. It, it's been nice to see females who are relatable and very human in fantasy novels who aren't just the love interest even where we've made males the love interest they're still not uh boring they're, they're still their own people without the other yeah i do feel like i just i feel like every person has kind of there's so many dynamics to a personality and um i don't think i just feel like women or and men like in our gender roles like they do have their softer side of women and there can be very strong side and so I wanted to show that in Britta's character and I hope that like that came across that you can be strong and also have vulnerability yeah I guess that's- yeah we want to create strong characters and stuff but we don't want to just completely um remove vulnerability and stuff because that that's what makes characters human yes sure so- have you got a dog? <laughs> like, you can hear him. <laughs> yes, can you hear my, I have two dogs, and they keep walking over here, and I keep showing them away. <laughs> I, um, I actually have, I have two dogs. One's a black lab, and he's very large. And then my other one is a golden doodle, and I, res- I got her as a gift for my husband, let's see, four years ago. So it was, I had written Never the Hunted, and I, I hadn't quite finished revising it, and I didn't know if it was going to go anywhere and so I was ready, actually, to give up on the book and, and start a new one. And my do- my husband brought home this dog. And so I thought, well, nothing's going to happen with this book. So I'll name my dog Britta. And so, <laughs> so the problem is I have this golden doodle that's really rambunctious. And whenever I say her name Britta, she comes bounding over and wants to play. And so <laughs> every, when we talk about her, she keeps lifting her head and coming by. <laughs> so she thinks that we are engaging her. <laughs> Oh, confused dog. Yes. <laughs> do, you have, do you have people think that you named your dog after your character and they're like, wow, <laughs> you really like your dog? <laughs> I know, it's actually the opposite. I really thought nothing was going to happen with the book. And so I thought, yeah. I thought, oh, well, I like the name, so I'll name my dog after that. And in fact, I had kind of given up on the book after this. And I have a really good friend who's also an author. Her name's Elena Johnson, and she writes dystopic books as well as um, adult romance. And she came by the, my home and she said, have you queried that book? And I said, I, I was done with it. I didn't think that it would go anywhere. And she, she sat down and she said, I'm going to write you a query right now for your book. So she did. And, and we sent it out that night to 10 agents, <laughs> even though I, I didn't think I was ready, but I, it worked out well. So it was a surprise. It worked out well. Nearly uh, every author I speak to tells me that they gave up on the book that ended up being published. I have found that. That that is a really common thing, and I wonder if it's in our own writing arcs that you have to kind of hit that wall of feeling completely defeated. Yeah. 
And then it just happens. There's something about that that just opens up the universe to accepting your book. Yeah, perhaps we should make it a thing that um, <laughs> the, the book you're about to give up on, that's the one. <laughs> Even if you think it's terrible, keep writing it because that's the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. And I also have to say the moral of the story is don't name your dog after the character that you're going to give up on. <laughs> I think that's really bizarre. I think that's really hard in general. Like, I'm not sure if you've seen that post on uh, online. It's on Facebook and stuff, and it's like a when you're a writer page, and it comes oh, up yeah. with memes and stuff. And it's something like first world problem is uh, not knowing whether to give names you like to characters or future children or perhaps. <laughs> yes, I have, and it is it is a problem. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this weirdest thing that I have this dog named after my character, but <laughs> which, had I known the book was going to be published, I would have chosen a different name for my dog. <laughs> no, it's fine. You just keep winding him up whenever you're talking about the book. <laughs> Your dog's oh probably going to try and eat the book. <laughs> I know. She is really rambunctious, and so... Part of the problem is when I... I tend to read out loud to myself when I am... After I've written a scene, I'll read it out loud. And when I'm editing back through it and every time she'll come over and, and jump up on me and she likes to jump on me on the couch and she'll cover my whole computer with slobber. <laughs> my laptop. It's, it's, that is my first world writer problem right there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get that one down too. <laughs> so what was your inspiration for the book? I know that's a very broad question, but like your characters and the, uh, the world and everything like that. No, this is a good question. I feel I I have friends who have uh, they'll have one. Hold on, hold on one second. Okay. Also, my daughter is at home. She's running. Up. <laughs> okay, so I have yeah. I was gonna say I have friends who have one. Like, they'll have, like, a dream, or they'll have a thought come to them, or a scene come to them, and that kind of defines the rest of their book, or the book stems from there. But with me, I, because I was a photographer for a long time, I'm really obsessed with setting. And so, a lot of times when I'm plotting out a book, the setting comes to me first. I think, oh, I think of, like, the vivid details of a setting, and how I want to set a character in that setting, and that's how the book comes to me. So... I would, so that was what happened first is I really liked the woods aspect of the novel. Yeah. And um, I actually wanted a book that kind of felt a little bit medieval, a little bit kind of 14th century English or Germanic. So I, I, I pictured it in England and not just because I'm English, but because I don't do that. Uh, but, but even the colours used on the covers and everything just it just felt really English. <laughs> so I, I found it so interesting when you said you were born in England. I was like, oh. I that and I think that's where I really. My parents when we were living in England took us to all the castles, and my dad is a he's a lover of travel, and so we went on many trips throughout Europe. So I've always had a great fondness for European countries, but especially England and Germany. So I had that in my mind and then I, and just the woods. And so I had that just kind of sitting in my mind for, I don't know, six months because I was working on another book. And then my, my dad, this is kind of what prompted the book is that my dad got really sick and um, he went from having great health to the next day being in the hospital. And during that time, it was really, my dad and I were really close. And so it was really difficult. And I, I kind of started thinking of this character, like, what would it feel like to lose your father? And so that's kind of what started the character or Rita's path. And then uh, my dad needed a kidney and I have two kidneys. So I was like, dad, you can have one of mine. And I ended up giving a kidney to my father and he made a great recovery. So he has great health now. That's incredible. But it, I figured, I figured anyone, anyone would do that for their father, you know. And so, it, but what was interesting is that I felt for the first time like I had done something almost magical. I mean, there goes my dog again. That uh, <laughs> I was able to do something that saved his life, and so it felt really magical, like I had this sort of gift. 
And that inspired a big part of the book, which I'm not going to say what else. That basically inspires uh, the magic system. Mm. Uh, so those two things happened. And then a month or so after the surgery, I was scheduled to go to New Zealand for a, a wedding. I was shooting a wedding and I had my assistant with me and we were flying to New Zealand. And on the way, she said that she wanted to hunt a red stag. And I was horrified because I've never been a hunter. You say that's I, quite a comment to just come out with. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she wanted to spend an extra day in New Zealand to hunt this red stag. And I, yes, yeah, so it was so shocking to me. So we spent 13 hours on this plane talking about her, her passion for hunting. Her and her husband are hunters. And... It was fascinating. So, and she particularly loves the bow. So she likes to bow hunt. And there's a lot of skill involved in hunting, which before I hadn't given it, I hadn't given the, I would say the sport very much respect. But after talking to her, I came back from New Zealand and then it just kind of all came to me that I needed this character to have the skill, but also be going through a very emotional trauma. Yeah. Um, losing her father. So that's how it all kind of came to, to be. It was like puzzle pieces that fit together. Oh, that's so, that's so cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it's strange, but also really nice how most fantasy novels have un- underlying plots that could very much happen to anybody. The elements make it all seem like it's not real when actually there's a story you could extract out of it. That's very realistic and very. Unmagical. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're very, I mean, the characters should be very human and very um, sympathetic and similar. Like, they go through the same sort of trials and distresses that we go through. Yeah. I think it's strange how interesting hunting is in fantasy as well and how horrifying it is in real life. <laughs> I, I agree. I am I'm still not a hunter, but I... I did want to show, so the one thing that I really brought away from my friend Madeline, that's my assistant photographer, is that she has a a respect for for animals, actually. Her and her her husband don't just go out and kill lots of animals. They really like barbarians. (laughs) Yeah, they're not very barbaric. But they do, and they actually, um, they only hunt animals that they keep the meat from. So, in a way, I wanted to show that same respect through Britta's character. And so she tends to have the same respect for the animals that she hunts. But she does it out of necessity and not so much out of sport. Yeah, I think it is that survival aspect that comes with it that helps us pique our interest. And I did did notice how much more time you spent on the the sport of it than, let's say, um, Hunger Games does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the cheese... She's the only other female <laughs> character I can think of that hunts off the top of my head right now. And they don't okay. they don't go into the sport of it and stuff, but you talk about the tracking, the the hunting, the poaching and you you, de- you can definitely tell that you spent time portraying the sport of it. I wanted it to feel very realistic, I guess. And actually the tracking and the hunting in the book is very much out of like straight out of the mouth of my friends who are hunters so it's all very realistic yeah i hope to get pretty accurate so if a hunter ever read the book they would say this is yes this is exactly imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I would do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really liked that. It made it really realistic that she was so good at it because, like I said, don't get me wrong, I like the Hunger Games, but it is a bit yeah. mad that she's just so brilliant at it for no reason. Like... <laughs> <laughs> she's just brilliant at it and they do that so often with protagonists in all books like let's not just blame that one it's it's a pretty cliche thing that protagonists are just good at something because they're good at it and it, it doesn't yeah. come from anything they're just fantastic for no reason but i like that britta had spent time learning this craft if you like no i agree with you i have found that is uh that is something in young adult literature that yeah, be, it's not just fantasy, it's particularly young adult that uh, they're just great like, at things. <laughs> there's just a given, there's something that they have this special talent in, but they have, there's no evidence of having learned or honed that talent, or, Brita, go sit down. Brita, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, and it, it is really, Brita, no. Okay. There you go. If you could see, she's sitting right next to me and her nose keeps nudging my arm and she keeps picking up things that she's not supposed to. When she wants attention, what she'll do is she'll pick up something from the home, like a shoe, and she'll bring it to me because she'll know I'll take it from her, but then I have to pet her and play with her. Uh, see, if I was mean and I cut out the bit where you explained your dog's name earlier, it would sound like you, it would sound like you have imaginary friends who are your characters. That would that'd be really funny. You should do that. I mean, the whole thing, I'd be even more familiar as an author. Like, Britta, go away. I know. Most of the time, it's Britta, get out of my face. <laughs> hey, Britta, really. I'm gonna, there, go. Take the water bottle. Okay, there, I've, I've gone. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, Corruption. it's fine. You're not my first interviewer whose pet has, like, just really wanted to be in the spotlight. <laughs> that is hilarious. I don't know what it is, because she'll leave me alone other times, but it's whenever I'm talking to someone, she just... It's because your attention's on the laptop. Uh, I, I think dogs hate technology. My my dog always used to um, knock my PlayStation controller out of my hands and then just place oh, his nose oh. where the controller was. Like, um, no, it's my attention. That's funny. <laughs> so, what was it like writing the darker parts, the the uh, themes of her dad being murdered, and facing the noose when she gets caught? What was it like executing those parts in the writing process? Um, usually, I would say those parts are really difficult for me. I don't. I have like I would. I have a lighter personality, and so it's really hard for me to write dark. Uh, but because I started the book, I actually started the book when my dad first got sick, and those were really hard. That was a really hard time for me, and so it kind of just came out. And I think what it was is it was my my own anger at the situation of what my dad was going through and my own feelings of defeat. So it was, that was the first time it really just kind of came out. And so I won't give any spoilers away, but the darkest parts of the book down at the end (laughs) were written. They were all written at the same time. And so I, I kind of, I knew that those were pivotal moments in the book. And then I, build in the other areas later. So I didn't actually write the book in succession. I wrote it as the scene kind of came to me. Okay. That's interesting. That makes it more personal as well. Yeah. So I can't say like I did, this probably makes me sound like a a moron, but I totally cried. There's a scene in the book and I cried when I wrote it. So. I don't think that makes you sound like a moron. I think it'd be weird if you didn't. Okay, like, I don't know if all other if other authors get as emotionally invested, but I like I cried and cried. My husband he came in the room and he and he said, "Well, don't write it that way. If it's making you sad, don't write it that way." <laughs> but I was like, "But this is the story that needs to be told." So 
It is what it is. No, I, I think most writers who base uh, part of, if not all, of their story on something that's actually happened and something very personal to them, they end up crying. Yeah, I do think it's cathartic, too. There's something about writing a book that helps you... Yeah. Because it's like, you know... <laughs> Plus, a lot of writers have told me they've cried on their last like page or their last line purely out of exhaustion because they've been writing yeah. for a year and they're like, it's over. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> it is something to finally complete a book. Usually after I finish a book, I just have all this like pent up energy and I don't know what to do with myself for a week. And I kind of just buzz around and bug my friends and try to get everyone to go out with me and hang out. And I, I just don't even know what to do with myself. After I finished the second book, I called like every single one of my friends wanting to go out and none of them could go out. And I just felt like, like I was a caged animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can feel that. I work from home as well. So like oh. after like the third day, I'll be like, does anyone want to go for a drink? And they'll be like, no. And I'm like, go out with me. <laughs> exactly what it is i'll go shopping really pointlessly and come back with like just an arm's yeah. length of loads of pringles and <laughs> just <laughs> magazines and stuff that i don't need because i just wanted a reason to leave the house that's exactly what i do i feel yeah. like we are the same <laughs> in this aspect <laughs> start to oh, i'm so sorry hold on one second it's okay i don't know why my computer started ringing that was weird Oh, you really are a technophobe, aren't you? <laughs> I am horrible at technology. That's in fact, usually my husband. I know how to work Word, Microsoft Word, and then I know how to work Photoshop, and that's it. I don't really. My husband has to come and figure things out for me, or my kids will come. I'm like an eighty-year-old grandmother. They'll have to turn on the TV for me and select. <laughs> yeah, they have to show me how to use. I don't watch very much television. Yeah, my mom's and so, like that. Uh, yeah, and and I decided like seven years ago to stop watching television because I wanted to I wanted to write, and that was all my writing time was when I was watching television. So I stopped, but now I don't know how to access anything. And so recently, I wanted to watch the I wanted to watch this Netflix show called Stranger Things. Have you, have you seen that I love it. Of? I love it so oh, much. It's so brilliant. It's I was so obsessed, but I couldn't figure out how to first turn on the television because I mean, we have like five remote controls, so I don't know what they do. And then I could figure out how to, so my, my boys had to come down and set it up for me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Stranger things was cool. It's coming back, you know, in Halloween. I, I am so excited. <laughs> I wonder, like, did you see the, the trailer for yeah the, the trailer season? that was like a trailer for a trailer it was like 15 yeah. seconds long. Yeah. Like I was thinking, where are they going to go with it? It looks like they're going to, I don't know, like, I just think, I mean, the second season has to be bigger than the first. Yeah. There has to be a new art. I hope that they can maintain, like, the, there was something so, like, there's, like, a lot of charm to it. I also really enjoy the 80s. Yeah. So, um, there was I love the it. 80s and I love Aliens, so it was great. Yeah, it was, like, all my favorite movies from the 80s kind of meshed together. It was, like, a little bit of E.T. almost and a little bit of Goonies and, all, like, just... A, like a little bit of strange encounter. Um, there's so many. It was like all my favorite things. Yeah. Meshed and Eleven was like Matilda gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I love that she was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that was a so cool, uh, a really cool power that's not experimented with that often actually. Yeah. Because lo yeah. loads of people is like it's like Carrie but in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I just thought it was a really interesting take just the whole I, and, I, and I read a thing that they didn't expect it to um, they didn't expect the popularity that no, it garnered so that's why they didn't have the second season ready that's crazy I hope they, I don't, I hope they don't rush the second season I know my favourite character is the one um, I just forgot his name the one without teeth the one oh uh, Dustin yes okay in real life he does not have teeth did you know that he actually has the condition that he says he has in the show uh, someone told me that he's the cutest thing in the world <laughs> i know i love him so much <laughs> cool. we've gone really off track now i always do oh, this I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no it's me not you yeah, don't worry <laughs> i do this all the time because I, I i try to make people comfortable by making my interviews conversational but then it go too far and <laughs> we just end up oh. chatting about something random for ages 
But I love that. That's what I love. (laughs) And I also am always off track because I have very, like I have ADD. And so I'm constantly trying to refocus my brain. (laughs) That's helpful in this instance. Yes. What should we talk about now? (laughs) (laughs) Publishing process. That's something that gets asked a lot. I put on Twitter that like what I, I should ask established authors and publishing process is very much a... It just seems like something that so many authors don't want to talk about, weirdly. Until, oh, really? Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's because it's, so, it's, diff- it's different for everyone. And yeah. I found that just if my friends that have all debuted this year mm-hmm. is that our, everyone's experience with their publisher has been vastly different. Yeah. Not only that, but I feel like a lot of authors experiment a lot with um, trying and failing. Yeah. Um, much trialing, much failing. And it feels almost like passing someone cheat codes to tell someone the ins and outs of how they publish. Yes. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> but, um, but did I, you do the traditional way? So, yeah. So, I, uh, what I did is I, my, well, I queried the agent when my friend wrote my query. Yeah. So, you have a friend who will write you a query. That's a good thing. <laughs> Step one, um, make friends you can query. <laughs> make a good friend. Uh, so I found an agent, and I really liked him, so I signed with him. And then I want to say about a month after I signed with him, it was kind of, I wanna, when did we do it? I think I signed with him in October or November, and then a lot of the publishers don't really work in December. So he said that he would go on submission in January. So I tweaked a few things. In fact, that's when I added the ending to the book. Uh, and then in January, he sent it out to I maybe 10 publishers or editors at different publishing houses. And we've got a lot of great feedback and offers right away. So the book sold very quickly. It sold in, I want to say, two or three weeks. Yeah, it was and really quick. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, that was exciting. And then and then after that, it also sold in Germany very very quickly as well. I think it, when we went on 7 Germany, it sold in, in a few days in a preempt. So that was wow. exciting. And it sold in Turkey as well. So then after, I mean, then after it sold, then it's, then with traditional publishing, it's just kind of a waiting process. So I waited. My editor had the book. She read through it, made her notes on it, what she wanted to tweak or change or have me add. And then she got the notes back to me. And I think each time she re- – so we did one round of edits, which when they her notes were returned to me, I think it took me two months to go through and do some revisions. Um, and then after that, there was a – I'm trying to think what we changed – it's interesting that I can hardly remember. I think that there was a character that we took out. Anyhow, so I did that over the course of two months, and I sent it back to her, and then we made a few more tweets. She would send it back to me, and she's very open to having me, to my opinion. So she would make suggestions. She never changed anything, and then, and then I would just change it if I wanted to. So after that, then we went to copy it. So my publisher has been fantastic. They have they gave me great covers. And there's been a lot of interest in the book, and I think that the cover helped with that. The cover is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of people. I saw something on there. It was either your Goodreads or a YouTube video earlier. So when I was researching, and um, someone had said the the cover made me want to buy it, and then the reviews made me want to buy it even more. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I think the cover is so lovely. When I'm back. They sent it to me. So I have, uh, I mean, I have other friends who received cover comps from their publisher, and usually it's a cover that's similar to what they're going to end up with, but it's not quite finalized. Whereas with Ever the Hunted, when they sent it to me, it, that was it. It was final. And it was, and I just thought it was the most beautiful thing. I, I think I cried. <laughs> I was, I, I was, I was blown away. I never in, imagined that they would have something so beautiful. It was just designed by a man named Martin Schmetzer. And he is a hand illustration font artist, and he's brilliant. Anyhow, so he also did the, the second cover. But, but so they really, my publisher has kind of taken the the lead on everything, which has been good. I haven't ha- had to do much of anything. <laughs> That's uh, nice. In fact, okay, okay, Beth, I'm gonna I'm gonna open the door and let my dog out because she, she wants to go outside. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, other 
then I've gone to this year I've gone to conferences and but I think that I mean the publisher as well as I've been very surprised and pleasantly surprised that there's been such a warm welcome for the book and so that's really exciting I mean because you just never know what's going to happen with your book when it comes out it could just bomb it could be <laughs> the worst thing ever that's what's so, so um terrifying in my mind like yeah. just having it <laughs> one maybe one person or no people buy it in a year and you're like oh <laughs> I know and so yes that's exact I am just grateful to anyone who has bought it or read it and that just makes me yeah I mean I'm so pleased with that so yeah I'd, I'd imagine it was quite overwhelming because the way I found out about the book was quite weird um oh, really? so yeah I definitely didn't see the cover or anything first but uh, well sort of so I start. I had the idea for my podcast like six months ago and didn't really get started until a few weeks before Christmas where I thought I'm finally going to do this. And I, to find people I stalk Goodreads because I'm obviously trying to find people who I think would appreciate the, the promotion. So I try to dig deep in Goodreads for things that might not have been talked about too much. Yeah. But then I found your book but I, I read the synopsis of it first and I was like wow that's something that I'd actually really want to read so I ordered it off Amazon and then saw how pretty the cover was and I was like wow that book's like, really pretty and then I typed like I'd already contacted you when the book came so I started reading it and then contacted you and then I looked on your Goodreads to research and everything and found that it was on most people's, like, you know, booktube on when people review books and stuff. People do these, like, most antici anticipated books uh, videos. Oh. And you were on, like, nearly everyone's most anticipated fantasy book for 2017. <laughs> there were hundreds of reviews, and I was like, whoa, this book is bigger than I realised. Um, <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um. Uh, have a stalk of the booktube community and uh it'll type over the hunted into youtube and people are talking about it a lot oh i will have to i have mostly that's in, wow i've avoided um a lot of on well you know i'm not very good with technology so yeah. i <laughs> and obviously you shouldn't read too many reviews or yeah because there's always someone mean hiding in there but i was just quite surprised like uh, there's this girl who's quite big uh sasha alsberg she wrote a book with lindsay cummings i don't know if you know of, uh, those oh, authors yeah. yeah they were both talking about it on their youtubes and i really? was like yeah and i was like wow <laughs> everyone knows about this book but me <laughs> but it's, def oh, it's yeah. definitely deserved oh my goodness i didn't i'm gonna have to go now what you're gonna do that's what i'm gonna do for the rest of the day is stop I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll try and make it huge in England too. <laughs> oh my I would, that would actually be my dream. Yeah. But, oh, I'll, I'll run I, around my student union forcing people to read it. There's a, there's an author from England who had a debut this last year as well. Alwyn? Alwyn, what's her last name? Hamilton? Oh, Have you yeah, it rings, it rings a bell. I don't think I've read the um, Wait, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, why did I forget the name of the book? It's, I want to say Thief of Sands. Let's look it up now. <laughs> Hamilton. Anyway, she's from England and, oh, Rebel of the Sands. Oh, yes, yes. Her book is brilliant as well. Anyway, I was going to say, you should have her on your YouTube. She's lovely. And I think her second one just came out, but I could be wrong. She always talks about how lovely the publishers in England are. I wouldn't, I would, haven't spoken to one. I think it's fascinating. It makes me wonder if you live in England and you query an agent and you you know have an agent, do they do you go on sub to the English publishers first? I'm not. Or, I'm really not sure. Um, we've spoken to a couple of. You, I haven't actually interviewed any British authors yet. <laughs> Everyone I've found who I've been interested in has been American, which has been great, but. Annoying for the time difference. <laughs> we want to talk to you because you have the greatest accent. Oh, thank you. You know, not, none so of my English flatmates will agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to run home and be like, she said my accent was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. I do have heard of uh, Americans' obsessions with English accents. 
Yes, this is true. This is a, there's something about it that's just very charming and smooth. See, I think it's blunt. When um when I interview and I come on Skype, I always think that I'm like, hello, are you ready to get started? And they're always like, <laughs> hi! And I'm like, they're always so sound. I, I think, do they think I sound bored? <laughs> Not at all, not at all. Yeah, Amer- Americans always sound so much more enthusiastic than British people, I think. I w- that's funny, I wonder why that is. is I it? wonder if it's just the accent, or maybe we are all very, it's all the caffeine that we consume and sugar. Yeah, and I, I, bet, <laughs> I bet I sound like I'm saying Britta wrong as well. No, no, you're right. In fact, there's a reader for my book. I just listened to the audio, well, I didn't listen to the whole audio book. It's really it's really hard to listen to my own work. So my husband, we ha- I was the publisher sent me some audiobooks, and my husband was listening to it, and I was listening to the audiobook. And the way that the the reader pronounced some of the words, I said, "Oh, I've been saying it wrong. I need to, <laughs> I need to learn how to say my the words correctly." <laughs> so it was really interesting. Uh, but you say Britta right? Oh, okay, that's good then. <laughs> but. I- the reader, I think she's British as well. I need to look her up. Or she has what seems to be a British accent. It could know. be her reading voice, but perhaps she is British. Yeah, she reads really well. She has a beautiful voice. But I figured I should learn how she says the words so I can, when I speak about the book, can um, say them with the same pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We've been talking 55 minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, you have to edit I'm such a jabber mouth. I'm sorry. I'll talk and talk. No, it's okay. I'm, I am too. I'm a complete <laughs> little Miss Chatterbox. So. To wrap up, I, I, I ask every one of my interviewees this. What are, I used to say five books, but it was too hard. So what are some books that are not necessarily your favourites, but have stayed with you? It very much oh. influenced your life. Or, okay, good. Or, oh my gosh, I can give you so many. I'll probably give you more than five. Okay. Um, people I people love... always cheat and pick a series, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see what I have. Uh, the Queen of Atolia, which is the third book in, I don't know what the series is called, but the first book is The Thief. I mean, sorry, The King of Atolia is my favorite. The first book's The Thief, the second book's The Queen, the third is The King. It's by Megan Whalen Turner. Okay. Um, it's the way that she wrote the book. It was so captivating. And I continually go back to this book because I feel like it's one of the most brilliantly crafted romances I've ever read. And the narrator of the book is an unreliable narrator. So oh, I like he that. is narrating what's happening, but you don't actually know what's happening until the end of the book. And then you, it's fascinating because you know that he knows what's been happening the whole time. Yeah. I like uh, unreliable narrators. Oh, you should read this series, but I will tell you now, the third book is the best one. Okay. So, uh, and I think you have to read them in session, but, so just stick with it until you get to the third. I'm but that one's always because she's such a brilliant writer that I've always wanted to kind of aspire to her skill of writing. Yeah. Uh, another book that has always stuck with me is, well, this is one from when I was younger, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, I'm someone else has like, said that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. So sorry if she hears this, but I I think it was L.E. Delano who was my last interview. Oh, really? Yeah. She said A Wrinkle in Time as well. It's been a popular one. I and I've never it. read it. I've never even heard it's of it. One, it's <laughs> one of the first kind of fantasy sci-fi, sci-fi fantasies that I read. Yeah. And it really opened up my love of reading. And so I just remember reading it and being so amazed with the world. And it it also has a dystopic feel. So it also started my love of dystopic books. Um, So, okay, that's another one. Uh, And then also like The Giver. The Giver is one that I studied when I was in college and my degree is in English. And so I think that's one that really solidified my want to to write books. I love, okay, more recently, Red Rising. Have you read Red Rising? I have not, but I'm guessing awesome. by your gasp that it's amazing. <laughs> I read this book. I'm counting on my desk. Uh, <laughs> it's a sci-fi, and it blew my mind. It's one of those books where I read it, and I think, will I ever have the ability to write a book like this? It's so epic. <laughs> and it was, yes, re- pick up Red Rising and go read it, and then let me know what you think. Okay. Um, I also really liked... 
Angel Fall by Susan E.E. And Angel Fall was published in, I want to say 2014 or 2013. And it was published by, I think, Skyscape, which is one of Amazon's publishers. Okay. But the reason I love Angel Fall is because it has this very slow-burning romance set in a post-apocalyptic world where the romance is not, it's not like a main focus of the book, but at least not intentionally originally, but then it becomes so consuming. It is very, the whole book was just captivating. And I don't think I've been drawn into a book that hard since then. So how many did I give you? I could talk about books for hours. I think you've given me four. Okay. Let's get that. So let me think, let me think. I have so many that I love uh, that have kind of... <laughs> can definitely tell that your love of writing was born from reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, do you have more of a young adult audience or do you have... Yes, young adult. Okay, but I won't mention that book. <laughs> no, let's see. What else did I... I don't know. I guess maybe that's that's probably those are my standout. Yeah. I mean, and I love Harry Potter. I, I think Harry. Oh, Harry I knew Potter. you'd say it. I haven't had a single person not say Harry Potter yet. Oh, I, and I well, I think it's because it's iconic almost now. I mean, it is iconic. But I was teaching when I first graduated from college. I taught high school and I taught uh, middle grade school. So my students that were, I, I want to say, when I started teaching, only her second book was out so she was still relatively new and hadn't gained the popularity that she gained through her later books and so I fell in love with that I love fantasy it's a big uh oh I also love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe okay those are my big fantasy picks when I was growing up so so, um I just devoured those but she's I love that she has such... The thing about J.K. Rowling is her world building is so fantastic. And it's so complete across the board in every aspect of the characters' lives. Whereas I feel like some fantasy writers kind of focus on this narrow lens of what's happening around the character. And so that's how they build their fantasy world. Whereas J.K. Rowling built this entire like universe, practically, yeah. of, of things happening in a bit. So that's what I think is brilliant. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day who hasn't read them, believe it or not. And what? Yeah, I know. And they were like, I've heard that they're not actually that brilliant. And I was like, okay, because this person's quite, uh, <laughs> they're going to tell me off and hear this, but they're quite pretentious and like they only like, <laughs> they only like books that are absolutely incredible writing and, you know, really, really ridiculously old traditional books. And I was like, look, the writing is not why you fall in love with Harry Potter. It's the world building. It's it, it's the it world. It is the world building. And I also think it's the character. Yeah, really 100%. At, um, yeah. Her characters are so sympathetic. And, yeah, and they all I, I, I relate to Harry a lot, which is why I hate him. But <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I'll actually get anyone who doesn't say Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, that's funny that everyone has so far. Um, what is it? I have, there really are so... Many. I loved all of... I loved The Blue Sword by Robin McKinley. I loved... Oh, Ender's Game. That was a big one for me. I haven't read it. I've watched the film. And that is the first time I'll ever say that about a book. (laughs) That I've watched the film and not the book. The book is... The book is so much more compelling than the film. Yeah, that just... That's a given. (laughs) But I love that because it has that... So M. Night Shyamalan, I really love his movies. He's this movie producer. Yeah, I know him. Um, yeah, and I like that. I mean, he's known for these these great twists, these epic twists in, at the end of his movies. And so, Ender's Game, I was like the original. They the twist at the end of Ender's Game just blew my mind. So, and I yeah. love that it's in a sci-fi, but it is a pretty harsh world. Yeah, of course, Card writes these really cold, unyielding worlds. So, he puts children in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I bet Orson Scott Card and um, Suzanne Collins are probably best friends. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, 
And oh, you know what? And I loved Hunger Games. Yeah, I did. Just because I like books that are compelling and they give you a lot to think about. Yeah, I loved how um, cold and absolutely brutal Katniss was in the books. I feel like she was worse in the books than she was in the films, being quite cold-hearted. Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree with you. I remember reading the book thinking it was like uh, your average YA sci-fi type thing. And on the first page, I remember there's this cat, the cat's meowing at her. And she just straight up is like, I will drown you in a bucket if you don't shut up. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and then a dark part of me was like, I love her. <laughs> She's yeah. so horrible. Yeah, she is so horrible, but like the ultimate survivor, so... Must be doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I could talk about books forever. Yeah, I was going to say, we could probably do a, a podcast episode of its own, just talking about good books. Yeah, <laughs> like, here's all the books that I recommend, that's why. Yeah. I have so many, um, I'm on the library board in my, in my town, and... So I'm always recommending different books for different ages of readers. And I, I just love to read. So I'm a book devourer. <laughs> Serial book devourer. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great talking to you. I'm so, thank you for like <laughs> asking me on. I was like, I feel like this little nobody um, <laughs> talk. Um, you know, in the US. So thank you for asking me on. And if you want me to ha- come back, I will come back. Yeah, so. of course. Come back for your next book. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm still going. <laughs> yes, keep going, Beth. <laughs> thank you so much. I'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Okay. I hope you have a lovely day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Beth's Bookshelf. If you did, don't forget to subscribe and leave me a quick review. I appreciate the feedback. Please check the episode description to see where you can purchase Ever the Hunted and follow Erin on her own channels. I also wanted to mention that I've recently started updating my Goodreads account again. So if you want to see what's on my shelves, my reviews and what I'm reading in real time, check the description for that link too. I'll be back next Sunday with another episode, of course, and this time I'll be with Ava Delara, the author of Love Letters to the Dead. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com Let's get this dinner party started.